0: Welcome to another Words and Nerds podcast episode where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today I welcome Gabrielle Wang. Gabrielle is an award-winning author and illustrator. Her stories are a blend of Chinese and Western culture with a touch of fantasy. A talented artist and gifted writer of more than 20 books. Gabrielle is also the Australian Children's Laureate for 2022 and 2023. Today we talk about the beautiful book Zadie Ma and the Dog Who Ch- Chased the Moon. I've got it in my hand. It's one of those books that I love to touch. You know, it's just a nice weight. It's a nice size. Its covers nice. I'm a complete book nerd, but it is one of those books. But welcome. Gabrielle, thank you,
1: Danny. It's a pleasure to be on your program.
0: I, I, you know, cannot believe when you know the publicist came to me. Why have I had you on the podcast before? You know, you're a prolific writer. You're, you know, the Australian children's laureate. I'm like, what am I doing? So <laughs> it's actually a real honour to have you on
1: today. Oh, thank you. It's an honour being here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, Zadie Ma, and the dog who chased the moon. We've established before I hit record that everybody hates elevator pitches. But what if you just told? a little bit about what this book is about
1: okay well Zadie Ma and the dog who chased the moon is actually a love letter to my childhood dog Rusty so the inspiration is totally from him Um, and I'll you know we can get to that story later on but it's a story about Zadie Ma who's a little bit like me she is desperate to have a dog Um, and that's what I was I was desperate to have a dog she lives in a milk bar with her parents. There's, um, it's post-World War II, set in 1955. And um, I specifically chose that year because I thought that Australia was still quite innocent because the following year, 1956, was when the Olympic Games came to Australia. Uh-huh. And then we had TV, came to Sydney and Melbourne first. So it was really like, um, yeah. Australia was quite innocent in that time. Mm. So I thought it, it's, a, it's sort of like iconic era in Australian history. Uh-huh. And um, I do remember milk bars, and which we called lolly shops. And, <laughs> and I had fun um, asking all my author friends, which were your favourite lollies? And I got lists and lists of favourite lollies, you know, because you'd just go down the street and get five pence worth of, of lollies. And it was great. Um, I remember
0: that. I remember the 10 cent worth young. of lollies. I'm not, I'm not. I remember the 10 cents of lollies and you'd get a bag full of lollies in a white paper bag and then I remember the $2. I, ch- remember when you used to get $2 chips? I know. And I used to wrap them in the newspaper and you'd eat chips for days. That's for right. It was you take them amazing. to the movies and just open oh. them up. So good. I, I, used, I used to have vinegar on mine. Remember having yeah, vinegar yeah. on your chips? <laughs> oh, never never best. liked
1: vinegar in my chips. But really, really? Oh,
0: I did. The smell of the chips and vinegar just but oh, just to bad. have
1: them out of um in a newspaper. Yeah. It was yeah. Very special. Wasn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs>
0: You look party young you <laughs> well thank you I, I was a child when this was occurring but you remember <laughs> that because you know the, the lollies you'd be getting five cents and you get a bag of lollies five exactly. cents today will buy you absolutely nothing nothing,
1: <laughs> so- <laughs> nothing zero nothing you will starve <laughs> yeah. so um so zadie ma has got a special talent her brother calls it her superpower She loves to write stories, and some of these stories actually come into reality. Wow, I love this. And she can't, she doesn't know um, which ones will will become real and which ones won't, but she thinks, um, because she realises that she's got this incredible superpower, she thinks, I want a dog so badly, Mm. maybe I can write about a dog and it'll come into reality.
0: So she cannot be a crime writer. That's what I'm getting from this. (laughs)
1: not no she can't oh Judy. actually oh. have we just thought of a crime novel we did because I'm thinking of a sequel to Zaidi minor you know? <laughs>
0: wow and, there we and go I'm thinking
1: of a, something like that I was thinking of an adventure but it could be a crime well novel. you wow. heard it here first you. listeners you heard it here first <laughs> We're
0: just going to to keep brainstorming these wild ideas and (laughs) yeah, and you're going to publish all these amazing books. I'll just, (laughs) I just love crime, and so that's what I thought instantly. Oh, I love crime, I love
1: crime.
0: Let's say we love crime fiction, otherwise, people might get confused. (laughs) Now, it is a beautiful story about magic, and like you said, a girl and her dog. And you know, you said you're going to talk about your dog, Rusty. Talk to me about Rusty now. This must
1: have been your childhood dog. Yes. Well, because I loved wanted a dog so much, I used to walk around the streets at probably six or seven. I might have even done it when I was nine. It's a bit <laughs> embarrassing. But I'd have a my skipping rope because everybody had skipping ropes in those days. Yeah. I'd have my skipping rope. And at the end of that skipping rope would be an imaginary dog. Oh,
0: wow. And
1: I... To me, there was a dog there, and I'd be walking down the street with this skipping rope, pretending I was talking—not pretending, I was talking to this imaginary dog. People would have thought I was crazy. Oh, they just thought you were nine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, um, when I was ten, my grandfather, who worked at the Victoria Market—I don't know where you're—are you located in Sydney? Yes. Yeah. The Victoria market is a big market, fruit and vegetable market. I go to Melbourne often, so oh, okay. I, I know it. Yes. yes. Well, he was—he had a fruit and vegetable stall at the Victoria market. And one day he found a dog, a golden cocker spaniel, wandering around, lost at the market. And um, he, for some reason, I have no idea how he knew that I wanted a dog so much, but he brought this dog oh, home. Wow. And I remember in the front of the book, I have, I do have a photo of my grandfather, me, and Rusty mm-hmm. um, when I was nine, I think. And uh, and I, I believe it was the day that he actually gave me Rusty. I was a bit scared of Rusty because Rusty was like six months old and <laughs> very energetic and, you know, jumping up and everything. But uh, it's a big oh, dog. It's a, big, a dog. big dog. Yes, fully grown at that stage. Mm-hmm. And um, I just loved that dog because I loved the Secret 7 and I believe in the Secret 7 they had a dog called Scamper who was a Golden Cocker Spaniel and always pretended that I was part of the Secret 7. It was just my dream dog. (laughs) And Rusty had one blind eye and and we loved each other for 10 years. Oh, I love this story. And then when I was 19 and you know getting not getting interested fully interested in the opposite sex um i um i went away with a boyfriend my my parents took my dog down to the beach to a holiday house they'd never been to before and um he wandered off and i never saw him again oh wow and so that that is like, it's so amazing that after all these years because there's not there's no closure mm. I always wondered what happened to Rusty mm. I, I came racing back I was at Wilson's Promontory I came racing back went to the area where my the holiday house was and looked and looked and looked and
0: but isn't that um, interesting that you found Rusty that way and then Rusty left oh, in the oh, same way no.
1: like isn't that amazing like his destiny wasn't yeah, it
0: yeah it's like he spends this decade with you and then maybe spends some Time with someone else who needs oh, him at that see, time. That what a magical nice. dog!
1: Well, that's a magical dog, and that hopefully, is. hopefully, that is that—that was his. You know, that's what happened because he was yeah, like, I "Love that! Wow!" Yeah. And, and it's so, a beautiful photo
0: in the book. It's a beautiful. Yeah, photo. I, love that I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. really gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> love <Yeah>. it. <laughs> now, tell me about. I know it's really important to you to include aspects of Chinese heritage in your books. Tell me about um, this book and how you've
1: done that. Well, um, yes, I can't get away from, I mean, during my childhood, I was totally getting rid of anything Chinese. I couldn't get rid of what I looked like <laughs> because, you know, I've got a Chinese face. Uh, but there was so much racial prejudice when I was young. Yep. And, uh, and so you just wanted to hide and mm. run away from it. And I didn't want any, I never wanted my parents to come to school because that meant that, because I went to a school where there were all white kids. And I was the only Asian in my whole school. And when my parents came to school, um, I'd be so embarrassed because they would show my friends that I was Chinese because my friends at school just thought of me as just a person, you know, not not as Chinese. And I never, there was no book that I could read. All the books when I was little were books about white kids. And there was no representation of me in, in any of the books that I read. And in fact, when there was an Asian character, they were always bad or comical mm. character. And uh, it was very embarrassing. And mm. so for all those years, I got, you know, didn't want to, I was ashamed of being Chinese and just wanted to be white. And then, um, of course, I matured, I went to China, I learned Chinese because we didn't know how to speak Chinese, went to China and embraced the culture. Um, and so then I realised, well, actually, it's part of me, and writing is a part of me, that I, you know, they just came together naturally. It wasn't a decision that I made mm. at all. My first book was semi-autobiographical, called The Garden of Empress Cassia, and um, and then and she was a Chinese Australian girl. And the second book I wrote was called The Pearl of Tiger Bay, and that main character was white, with the best friend who was. Chinese, because I thought I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into writing about Chinese characters or Asian characters. But then it just was just a natural thing to do that because um, I would get kids who were Asian who would write to me and say how much they love my books because they could identify. Yeah. And that's I think that's so important. It is. Know. It's it's that must be, you know, one of the most important things that
0: you get said to you because even when I was a kid, my dad's Dutch Indonesian. My mum's Australian, and I had a very similar experience at school. And you didn't want to lean into any of that culture, even though it was only half of my culture, you didn't want to lean into that because you didn't know how. And it's only when you get older and you realize the same as you, there was no representations of me in any books, you know. And I'm, I, my mum is Australian, so. I did have that culture as well but you know, looking back through my childhood i can't remember one book that had a person of you know mixed cultures and heritage That's right That's and you're always right. looking for yourself because it gives you validation that you're That's worthy right. you know and if you don't have that there's something in your head saying oh am i not worthy to be written about and yes. so i did want to bring that up because that was part of my experience and i think it's so important that everybody sees themselves in books. And I think obviously, you know, that's exactly where literature is leading now. But it it didn't for such a long time. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And you know, you are the Australian Children's Laureate for 2022, 23, which sounds very impressive. (laughs) Can you tell me,
1: tell me what this involves? Well, um, first of all, um, one and the Australian Children's Laureate needs to pick a theme that they're, you know, they're passionate about Mm -hmm. and my theme was imagine a story because first of all imagination is what I'm most passionate about because it's something that we lose as we get older yeah we have incredible imagination at two years old three years old four years old five and then when you get to school it starts to wane Um, and when you get to high school most often it it's, mm. It wanes totally. And then when you get become an adult, there are a lot of adults who walk around with no imagination whatsoever. Mm, it's very sad, isn't it? Very sad. And imagination is so important because everything that's man-made has been imagined first yeah absolutely you couldn't do it without imagination
0: and i think we underestimate imagination oh, yes. you know i think when people say imagination they just think oh it's just about you know creating an artwork or whatever but imagination is so much more it's it's about innovation and you can actually take imagination into every aspect of your life whether it's parenting or career or writing a novel or cooking dinner or whatever it is That's you know correct. i think imagination can you can use that in every aspect of your life
1: can and it's and it's something that needs to be fostered and the way to foster it foster it is to use it because it's like a muscle yeah if you don't use it you definitely lose it but and the other th- amazing thing is that imagination is free yes
0: all, all, the, practice the, all
1: like the best that, things are like that yes and so I want to encourage kids to use their imaginations to their fullest by reading writing drawing mm. um and also um Talk about diversity as we've just done, diversity in children's literature. So I want to encourage caregivers, parents, um, librarians, teachers to share diverse books yeah. by diverse authors, with yes, their absolutely students, with their absolutely. children. Read them out aloud. You know, if they have a class text, read a class text where the main character is not white, where mm-hmm. the main character is of you know, of a of a ethnic, of a different background. And also maybe where the main character is female so that the males in the class can also get stuck into a story where the protagonist is a is a, is a girl um, they wouldn't take that sort mm, of mm, and i've tried to just not
0: make that an issue in my house sure. with my two children no yeah. this is a great book you should read it and so my son's yeah. read lots of novels Fantastic. um you know with female protagonists because it's not about that it's about the adventure and the character and all those things so i've, I've i don't even think them they know they they were only meant to you know the old stereotype of you just read yes. meant to read protagonists of boys if you're a boy yeah. they don't even know that exists <laughs> okay you've done a
1: really good job <laughs> in, in i've that. tricked them yeah. <laughs> well in you know, one of the books um the our australian girl books which are the um i don't know about if you know that's their historical fiction mm-hmm. um and uh, written by uh, lots of different authors from um, ages probably s- eight, no, seven to nine. So that's mm-hmm. the youngest sort of area. But on the cover, you've got, and they're called Our Australian Girl, you've got an a, a, um, a illustration of a girl or a photograph of a girl. Mm-hmm. So when we had the big launch, Penguin had a big launch for the Our Australian Girl series, the first books in the series, um Um, a a teacher a librarian from scotch college which is an all boys school came up and i said oh are you buying this for your library and she said yes you know um what i do is i cover the books with brown paper so that the boys can't see that there's a girl on front cover and that 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 does it that that um, makes them Wow. wow
0: And so, I think that's obviously a very innovative, imaginative idea, but yeah. won't it be great when we get to a time when people just pick uh, up a book and go, oh, that's interesting. Yes. And I like that story and it doesn't matter. Wouldn't it know, be great? Or it doesn't matter the gender or... The mm-hmm. culture or the heritage of that. It'll person. come. I'm sure it'll. Well, come. of course, we're definitely we're definitely getting there. But it will be a nice day when that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you touched on something that I am really passionate about too, and that's reading aloud. Now I was a high school teacher for 17 years, and I oh. tell you, I even read aloud to 17 year old kids, Yay. and they love it. You know, cool. I was a bit scared when I first started doing it as a young teacher, but I thought, oh, well, I think it's going to be great because a lot of kids. You know, some kids haven't been read to since they were kids and some, sadly, not at all. Mm-hmm. And, honestly, they were the times when you could hear a pin drop in that classroom wow. when you were reading aloud to, you know, teenagers from 13 to 17. So oh, well done to you. Oh, thank you. being so
1: innovative. Yes. Just
0: like the sound of my own voice, maybe. But No, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's great because, um
1: I mean, reading.
0: Storytelling.
1: Reading, story, sto- sorry, storytelling yeah. occurred way before... That's right. The written word. So it's sort of almost had it's probably part of our DNA. I agree. And I don't think some of us know that yeah, or right. you know.
0: Yeah. So what's and, what's it why is it really important to you reading aloud? So I know that's one of your
1: um passions. Yes, um, so I mean, well, for one thing, um, I had difficulties reading. I okay. still have, you know, I'm a really slow reader and um and so I feel that if kids are read too aloud. Especially as a class text, then all the kids can join in. Not yep. just you know, not just having reading circles. Yep. Uh, then children who are challenged by reading, like I was, can join in. And um, on the Children's Laureate, uh, we are promoting audiobooks now, mm-hmm. and they're the things that I listen to because mm-hmm. I, I was, it takes forever for me to finish a book. Yeah, I get I go, oh wow, that's a long, <laughs> lot of words, and my mind sort of gets all frowned. And um, and you know, I mean, I can write, but reading is you know. actually... Mm, I was going to say, how do they both work together? Yeah. Well, w- what happens is because I re- have to read every single word, say every single word in my head. That helps with writing. Okay, when I'm reading my work back, mm-hmm. I'm not glossing over any sentences. I'm reading every single word, mm-hmm. hearing it how it sounds in my ears. Yep when I'm reading, I can't listen to it. I can't be in a room where there's anything. Yeah, pain sure. okay. And I know there are a lot of other people like that too. Mm. So it does help in that way. And when I do read a book, physical book, I, I get stuck into the detail was I think a lot of people just gloss over descriptions of yep. nature and, but I love all those.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad that um, that's really interesting actually that you've said that, you know, you slow reader, but then you can write these magnificent books. So it's interesting how they, how they work together. But I was going to say the illustrations in this book are just they're so gorgeous. And I love how there's almost that graphic element graphic novel element within the book is that what she was sort of um you know aiming for i mean obviously they're just at the beginning but they're very they just add to the story so much you got jupiter's story here they're just beautiful
1: right well um Every book that I write has got a diff tells me, it's almost like it tells me how to write it. Oh, I love that. Uh, so so I can't go, okay, I'm gonna write this book like this because it doesn't work like that. It's like it's a character of its own. And so with with this book, I knew I wanted to dedicate I knew I wanted to dedicate it to my dog Rusty, because I'd wanted to do it for years, but I thought it'd be too um, I'd cry too much and I'd Aww. get too emotional, which I did. Yeah. Um, So what I did was I started. So I knew not even the main story. I just knew it was going to be inspired by my dog. It was about a lost dog. But then I thought, okay, I'm going to start off with short stories. And I didn't know why. Oh, I know why. (laughs) I just remembered. I love this (laughs) because somebody said to me, you know, because I would I had done a radio interview with um, um, a a friend, and she and we had coffee later, and she said, oh, you know, you brought out all these stories about this and that. It's like it's like you're a story magician, and you've got a protein. <laughs> you just pull out a story from and pull out a friend. I love that. Yeah, and I had this image of this story magician. And so the book originally was called The Story Magician.
0: Oh, wow. Not
1: Zadie Mar at all. And so I thought I'd start off with the short stories, and I'd go to a local cafe, my, my local cafe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and I wouldn't know what I was going to write, but I just knew I'd have a soy chai latte, uh, take <laughs> my, take my writing book, and um, and then I would just think of something as I went went along the way. And like one day I saw a dandelion growing through a crack in the oh, football, and I thought, okay, I'm going to write a story about a dandelion. And so I got into the got to the um to the cafe, and I started writing. And they ended up to be like fable-like stories.
0: Wow, I love and, this.
1: And so um, the dandelion was called um, dandelion, dandelion, hold your head up high, and um, and so so I write wrote fifteen short stories in the cafe. Wow. And um, and then I just left that and I started writing the the, the narrative of Sadie Ma, mm. and I had a whole different. When I when I did my first um, edit, to ha- it's not my first edit. It's the first edit I show the publisher. Yeah. I had a totally different storyline.
0: Wow!
1: Um, and I won't say anything because maybe that storyline could still come into. The yes, oh.
0: we've already given away the
1: sequel to this. Yeah. One. <laughs> Want to give away too much more, I'm just gathering you know, <laughs> ideas at the moment.
0: That's the best part, though, isn't it? The That's gathering. the best part because you've got
1: no you're not committed to anything, yeah. And it no and pressure. it just has so much um hope, you know. That's right. And the, and the minute you tell somebody it, then it just dissipates. Right. This thing is don't tell anybody in what it's about.
0: well then you say it, and you're like, oh, that sounds really bad and in my head it was
1: amazing (laughs) i know this is the problem so no don't tell anybody a great idea just (laughs) dissipates the energy i i I totally
0: agree with you i love that i love that so much now a question that i ask everyone on this podcast is why do you write
1: because i can't do anything else (laughs) (laughs) um i don't um uh, well Okay, writing. Okay, why do I write? The reason I write I write, is because I had a dream one night. Wow. I was a hopeless writer at school. I mean, I was hopeless at a lot of things, reading, writing. I failed year 12. Um, I was quite good at art. I wanted to be an artist. And so I um, failed year 12. I had to repeat year 12 to get into RMIT to study graphic design. So I had no idea I wanted to be a... I could write. So I, did my art was a graphic designer for quite a number of years. Went and th- went to China, learned Chinese, and discovered Chinese philosophy. It was all sort of building up for mm. me becoming a writer, but I wow. hadn't discovered that I could be a writer yet. And so, um, probably in 1999, the year 1999, I remember I had this feeling, and I was a graphic designer at that stage, and I was teaching a bit at RMIT. Um, I had a feeling that something was going to have come towards wow. me. Pain was coming towards me, and every night I'd lie in bed and I'd go. In the morning, I'll discover what this thing is. It's some invention, like post-it notes or something. You know, nothing to do with creativity. I mean, that sort of creativity. Mm. And uh, so, one morning, well, one night, I had a dream. Wow! Next, mo- and it was such an incredible dream because it was like validating that I was Chinese. And even though I validated that earlier on, but mm. it was almost it was it coming out of my subconscious, I wrote the dream down, and as I was writing, it turned into a short story wow. and at the end of the day, I said that to myself, I said, "Wow, I've just written a short story, and i'm I like it <laughs> and I had just discovered that I was a writer wow, so that that it, cost- was it did you feel like you evolved into a writer over well, time? No, no, no,
0: no evolution because I'd not not done anything. Oh, I oh had... but I mean like through the art and the philosophy and all those things, do you think that's what led well, you? Now,
1: now I do. Now yeah. I realise it was wow. part of that. Yeah, yeah, part of that journey. Yeah, and, and I realised that the racial prejudice and not feeling confident mm-hmm. was all mm-hmm. part of that, that that otherwise I wouldn't be a writer. Yeah. That's that's part of the reason why I'm a writer. Oh,
0: that's so, a beautiful story.
1: Yeah, because I wouldn't have anything to write about if I didn't have that yeah. angst in my... Yeah, childhood.
0: I was about to say, I think some of the best writing comes from the conversations you need to have or the pain you've had or that angst you've right. had is exactly what yes. you said. So I think the best writing comes out of that, yeah. strangely
1: enough. Yeah, that's right. And so after I'd written my short story, I put it away, but then I brought it out again and in a writing workshop with Hazel Edwards, mm-hmm. um, and then it became a... Um, my first novel, The Garden of Embrace Cassia. Wow. It's a phenomenal
0: story. Someone who, yeah, exactly. But it's a phenomenal story. Someone who's saying, you know, you've had trouble reading. You didn't think you could write. And now you are a very (laughs) successful writer, illustrator. You are Australian Children's Laureate. Like this is is an incredible journey and an inspiring journey for for all of us, I think.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of my books are about hidden potential Mm -hmm. because I knew well, now I know that I had hidden potential, that I hadn't been tapped. Mm. And if I hadn't had that dream, wow. God, I, you know, I wouldn't be, I'd be doing something else. Mm. I mean, it might be good too. But It's interesting, though, your dream.
0: It's kind of you telling yourself, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> your subconscious telling you. Yeah, telling you yourself. You haven't realised it yet, yeah. you know, in, in the.
0: Yeah, it's,
1: I mean. Well, there's magic in that there is magic in that magic in that for sure I mean life is magical I get Mm. magical have magical do have magical experiences I
0: agree I think life is you know you need to be optimistic all the time and I do think there is magic in life absolutely yeah oh well this has actually been quite a magical chat so (laughs) I really appreciate your time Zadie Mara and the dog who chased the moon is just an absolutely beautiful book and I I love you know, what you do and what you talk about and what you're passionate about. It's all the things that I think most of us who write or read Um, are passionate about too you know cultural diversity and um, reading aloud to kids and you know all those really important things that you know I think we're all trying to trying to do to increase
1: and enhance that experience for kids because how fun is it writing for kids oh writing for kids is the best because you've got them at that young age and if you can get them interested in story Mm. and hopefully they'll be readers for life absolutely and imagination that you touched on before you
0: know bringing that keeping that dragging that into adult with you and and not letting it go. I think they're all such important messages. So, I'm glad we were able to touch upon those things as well as your beautiful book, and I can't wait to see what happens next, particularly the sequel. I'll be reading that closely. <laughs> I'll come on again next time once I've written the sequel. It'll probably be five years time. It takes me forever. We'll lock it in. The podcast will be 10 years old by then. We'll celebrate. <laughs> thank you it's been such a um a real honor to speak to you i've been watching you from afar on twitter and and thinking that wow why haven't i spoken to you yet so i'm so glad that i had the chance to lovely to meet you danny thank you
1: for inviting me on your show